0: Welcome to Chase the Vase podcast, where we share stories about those who have fought to overcome addiction. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for the latest stories, tools, and tricks to sobriety. Now, here's your host, Brock Bevel. Welcome to Chase the Vase Podcast. I'm here with Scott Medlin. Scott, thanks, man. First of all, for accepting the call to come on this. I'm super excited about the topics that we have today. You're always a Marine, right? I right. I can't say retired enough like that. You're a Marine, deployed twice in I- Iraqi freedom, 2003, 2005, you've seen combat. You've seen, I mean, being a law enforcement officer, you've seen a lot that's going on in the streets. I mean, I mean, if you had to gauge the pulse of where our world is right now with law enforcement, are we getting any better than we were last year?
1: There are some things I believe that are coming around so far as chiefs and administrations really hammering it home to their officers. You have to be service oriented. This is not just a go in and kick the door down on criminals day in and day out. You, if you, if There really is something to be said about connecting with the community because if a big crime happens and nobody talks to you, well, maybe you could have worked a little bit harder to connect with people in the neighborhood. So I think with that, so far as the message hitting home that, that police officers have to be service oriented as well, I think that's coming around. But so far as mental health in a way we're we're getting in our own way and we're being our own worst enemy and we can see it in the numbers so far as officer suicide rate and depression and substance abuse and PTSD stuff like that that's challenging and then of course the just the real big challenge going on right now with law enforcement being painted with one stroke of a, just like, if you're not careful and you watch the news, you would think that overall law enforcement are the bad guys.
0: Yeah, no, you do. So you've been in law enforcement a a long time, man. You are a two-time published author, man. This is cool. So you've published Mental Health Fight of the Heroes in Blue, right? Yes, bro. Yeah. And so the goal is to reduce suicide rate. Now, man, I mean, this is alarming. Like, so I retired back in, man, 2004 from the police mm-hmm. department here in, in Mesa, Arizona. Right. And you know, there was agencies you you would hear around the nation, maybe one, two officers a year that just, you know, the PTSD got them. But today, man, almost every day that you turn the news on, either an officer's getting killed, firefighters, you know, it's a pandemic, dude. So where do you lay, I don't want to say the blame,
1: but where is this coming from? It's coming from a lot. And I I put that in my book, Mental Health, Fight of the Heroes in Blue. It can range from feeling like you're by yourself, or it can range from images and memories of traumatic incidents that you think of. And because of those situations being sad or dangerous. They can only put sad or negative emotions on you and on your body and they can over time have a cumulative effect if they're not handled. There really is a, a wide range of different things that are contributing to it. From what I did with my research.
0: I'm not seeing a ton of help out there. You know, I, I know we're trying to reach out, but the stigma still just got, like I feel like they still have a thumb, especially in law enforcement, not so much. I think the fire department, I'm I'm doing a lot of research. I'm working with a lot of firefighters throughout the nation and they seem to be like 10 steps ahead of us. But for law enforcement, it feels like we're, we still have that stigma. That if you talk or you say, hey, man, that scene screwed me up. You're not the same as us,
1: right? I mean, I've been there. The first time I saw a person who had hung themselves, I was fighting tears. I really was. I felt so bad for that guy that he felt the need to do that to himself, and it just hit me hard. And I was literally on scene, like, "Okay, Scott, don't cry, don't cry." I mean, I, I talk about it now, but it hit me because guess what? I'm human, and I think police officers, when we go through the the rookie schools, the police academies, whatever you want to call them, I think this uh, mentality of we're invincible, we're we're not going to be affected, we're not really talked, we're not really taught about that overall. And yeah, it it affects you. It's something else. It really is. I also have worked with some officers who are going through hard times. And I've heard stuff like when I say, well, why don't you consider seeing a professional? And they'll say, well, they can't relate to what I've been through. That's true. They might not be able to, but they can definitely tell you how the brain works, which your brain's the same as everyone else's brain, and then give you solutions on how to deal with it. Or I've heard comments such as, who am I to trust this person that I've never met? Well, not everyone in the world is bad. I know as police officer, you might suspect that if you get wrapped up in the negativity and you're dealing with the violent and the violent and the worst of the criminals day in and day out, thinking that mentality that people are just out to get you. And those are stuck points. Those are actually things that they treat for in PTSD treatment, which is called a stuck point. Like I can't trust anyone. Everyone's dangerous, that kind of stuff.
0: So where do we start? You know what I mean? Like I look at it, I know that we can't start with the guys that are already there. Right. It's tough to say, okay, we're gonna go in and change a culture. While it's happening, it's just impossible. I mean, we're trying to see that in the NFL. We're trying to see that in the world today. Changing the culture is tough, and I I keep talking about. I mean, starting in the academy, great place, but would we have a two-hour block on mental illness? Exactly. And the person that had it had had like the manual, and they're like, "Okay, hey, this is what if you feel this." I remember I was working in the medical examiner's office. Lady comes sliding in, hits a tree. Gets decapitated. Oh, my. Okay. I mean, this is blunt. This is what we see. The head goes over here. It's about 20 feet from the car. I have an officer who's on the scene says, hey, Brock, I can't find the head. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just look around and find it. So I walk over there. My job was to recover the body part, right? I walk over there and I pick the head up and he's absolutely just beside himself. Like he's turning around and I'm giggling about it. I'm trying to make light of the situation because it was a serious traumatic event. Yes. And I'm trying to make, Hey, come on, man. You know, I'm throwing out all these Medusa. I- I'm trying to, I mean, it was wrong, but that was how I related the situation. If I can make it uh funny, if I could take some light off the situation, but I'm going to tell you what, man, when I went home that light, night, I was like, man, who can I go tell that to? Right. Right. What therapist? And you get stuck into that. Like they don't understand. They don't, they've never picked up a head before And so we do, we get stuck, we get wrapped up into it. Like, Hey, so who goes and saves the superheroes
1: in my book I make it very clear. It is up to us, like us individual officers, as well as us team members, we can self-assess. There are things you can be aware about to actually know whether or not you have, or you are at risk for depression, PTSD, general anxiety disorder, suicide risk, you know, at worst, uh, but I make it very clear, self-assessing. And and that's what my book does. It gives signs, symptoms, and it talks about how the brain works and how we are not immune to what we see. You cannot get around it. So it can start with the individual. And here's the good news. I know what some officers are thinking like, okay, fine. I I assess. And then I, I find out that I might be going through depression. Then what? Well, and I'm not speaking for everyone. Everyone's case is different, but there are things you can do to pull yourself out of it if it's not that bad already. And that's what see here's what gets here's what gets me. After 12 years of working active in law enforcement, now I'm a part-time cop now, but after 12 years of working active I was always trained, be aware of someone's hands on a traffic stop. Be aware of what's inside a house when you walk in for a domestic. Be aware of this. Be aware of that. For safety, 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 we are not trained overall about be aware of ourselves and how to grow and evolve as people as we're growing through the profession. And the the way the mind works, if you don't grow as a person, then every new problem is just going to cancel out the other problem and you're just going to be focusing on problems. And so we just need more training overall on how to be aware of ourselves and how we can grow as people. And I do believe that along with counseling when needed, I do believe that will help change this thing around.
0: Yeah, I love that. That situational awareness we talk about in the academy. Hey, you're paying attention to everything, but we don't pay attention to one another. Right. And I remember there were times where I'm like, dude, that was a horrific scene. Yeah. Is anybody else going through this? And, And if had one guy, had one guy said... Hey, I'm struggling, man. I would have been that guy like, so am I, right. You right, know, right. Can we talk about it? But there was none of that. And so I know our generation is getting better the talking about it, but still, I, I just worry because if we're getting better, why are the suicide? Why are they going up? Why is addiction off the charts? And then you add COVID, right? You add a little okay. bit of stress where now there's isolation. You can't talk to your, t- and now it just skyrockets. Mm-hmm. And so how do we work? So I know that you said you mentioned some of these things in your book. I want people to go to your book and I want them to order it. But I also, if you don't mind, man, you're talking to a bunch of law enforcement people out there. If you're on the first line of defense, give me like one or two tidbits or signs and symptoms that they can look for to identify, to do a self-assessment be like, hey man, this Scott guy guy's onto something.
1: Well, I actually am going to be coming out with a YouTube video on depression here in the next few days depression, you, there's obviously those things you hear normally about, like family history, stuff like that. But when you go into law enforcement and you see what you see, I don't think it matters family history or not. You can be at risk if you don't deal with it. So with depression, you can deal with stuff like low self-esteem, tense muscles. And this is something that I was totally oblivious from where it's not just the vest all the time. It's not just the duty gear that can make you sore and tense. Yes, it can. But if you have constant soreness, and tense muscles. It might be because of depression, fatigue, and anger. And here's where I kind of put a disclaimer out with anger. I'm not saying if you're angry all the time that it is depression. However, if someone is consistently sad and feeling down and depressed and they constantly push it in and don't talk about it, well, guess what can come up? Anger. So it is something just to be aware of when it comes to depression. And then difficulty sleeping, and then always feeling tired. Just constant, constant fatigue. That's something with depression. I mean, I could go on. There's, I mean, I talk in my book, I talk about PTSD, anxiety. There's a lot in there.
0: That's about 80% of all officers tired, angry, hungry. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired are your four main triggers, anyways, that lead to depression, anxiety, addiction. And so knowing those is a big thing. You know it was interesting I ordered one of these these watches called the Whoop and it tracks my sleep and it tracks that and one thing it does is it, it tracks my disturbances at night and I've been amazed of how terrible I sleep wow I'm you know. going to have to get one of those and it, it tracks it and tells you like how much recovery time you've had how much sleep time you have where you, should you go to the gym should you not go to the gym because your body's torn down and I'm like man how smart is that for for officers like when we're torn down and we're tired man like nobody's coming to us and say, hey man, how are you feeling today? You look tired. You know, it's just, we're putting out every day and it'd be, you know, it'd be nice to reach out to your partners. Like, hey man, can I help you out today? You know, that's something that starts in the academy. That starts even earlier in the home to that we're checking and helping each other.
1: Right, absolutely. And I, I really believe the training and really hammering home, the fact that we're not immune to what we see uh, really needs to start in the academies. And then training officers out there in the field, I would say where where I worked for 12 years up until August 2020, daily checklist. There needs to be a checklist of stuff to go over regarding evolving as a human, self-help, focusing, staying well. Because seriously, your mind is what you expose it to. And if the mind is exposed to this information about how to help and how to be aware, it will become second nature and a person can help themselves and or know that they need to get more assistance and be and utilize those tools out there for them if they are that severe.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting, I'm, I'm hearing this, and and one of the things that I teach is, is this extreme ownership. I gotta have ownership over who I am, what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, if I throw around downrange, if I'm in a shooting, I'm gonna fight, I, I own that. I yeah. have to be involved in that. But what about my mental health? Like, where's my ownership with that? Why can't I take a mental health day? Why can't I call and say, hey man, Sarge, I'm not right today, man. I need to stay home with my family, I'm feeling off. Can you call somebody else in?
1: But I mean, how many times in your career did you do that? I, I never did. Man, Brock, I got sick. I was constantly tired. I erupted on my wife over nothing, like yelled at her for nothing until one day she was like, you need to stop this. And I was like, oh yeah, I've been messed up. All kinds of things. And it's just, I, I've been through the gamut a, as well. So I don't come to you as, I don't come to you or any other officer as someone who just knows it all. I come because I've been through the pain and I've been through it. And I just don't want officers to go through it anymore. We have enough on our plate already.
0: Yeah. And you hit it right there, man. I am actively, man, trying to do everything I can to get spouses of law enforcement educated. They're the first line of defense, not us. You know, right. they're at home. They're seeing these behaviors changes. They're seeing our behaviors modified. Sometimes they're so nervous to talk and say, "Hey, you're off. What's going on? What are you carrying?
1: Are you really going to go to work like that? You know, because they see the change." Yes, they do. One thing I learned when I got in, or one thing I was told was never bring the job home. However, I would argue if you just left a crash scene an hour before you got home and there was someone who was killed or you just left an arrest that you had to fight someone and then you're just coming home, I'm sorry, those thoughts, those emotions, that chemical up and down in your body and brain, that's coming home with you whether it's you home. want to or not. Yeah. And therefore, it can pour over into the home. And, and therefore, it, yeah, you're right. It is important for spouses to be aware and just say, okay, hey, what can we do? Something's not right. And that's fine. We have solutions.
0: So so talk to me about this book number two, man. Book number two is 101 Health Tips for Officers.
1: 101 Health Tips for Police Officers literally is 100 ways that you can be more physically, mentally, spiritually, and socially fit for duty. I covered a few ways to deal with the mental health in Mental Health Fighting Heroes in Blue, but I was like, no, I got to give my brothers and sisters in blue like a ton of information. They can pick what works for them and go with it. Uh, And then if something else, if they want to pick up something else, they can go right back to 101 Health Tips and pick up something new, constantly evolving. Uh, We as people, if we're not evolving, we're like plants we're going to die if we stop growing so that's what that book's all about it's just solutions 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 and encouragement 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 what we definitely need in this very stressful job and uh, i had a fun time writing that and the good one and the good news about that book it's very short so it doesn't take long to read but it's packed with information so give me one that you that you use in your own life Obviously, you can see exercising coming from a mile away. That, that's been my one thing to kind of help me with the stress of the job, or at least when I was active with it. I mean, the part-time job I have now is at a university that's not exactly high action, but uh, it, it was uh, exercise. And then when it comes to the mental side of things, gratitude, like acknowledge the blessings that you have and write them down at the beginning of the day. And at the end of the day, that was actually a tool that was given to me by a psychologist who was pretty honest with me and said, Scott. I can only do so much for you. You have to make the decision to not be so negative. I'm so glad he said that. So I put that in there. Physical part, I actually put intermittent fasting. I know we've been told, you know, breakfast is the best meal. Uh, This is just a suggestion. I have done a lot better managing my weight and managing my blood pressure when I miss breakfast and give myself like a 16 hour, 12, 16 uh, hour gap of not eating and then only eat within an eight hour window, which means I stop eating at 6 PM and can sleep a lot better at night because my body's not working on digesting food. It has a hundred percent attention on sleep. So, th- I mean, that's just a few of the, few of the things. Nice. One thing I did stop caffeine, went cold oh, Turkey man. as of February 1st. And,
0: and honestly, Matt, I've overcome some serious addictions. That has been one of the hardest.
1: I bet. I've tried that one a few times, man. The headaches start coming in. It's no joke. You know,
0: you bring up a good, really good point. I kind of teach this as well as you write a gratitude journal. I noticed that us as first responders, we never, ever glory in the wins. We right. never, t- I mean, it's always a loss. We rehash the bad scenes. We do that. We come home and ev- and, and we get this really negative vibe. And what's interesting is we do, man, we have a lot of great things happening around us, but we don't glory in it, man. We just like, uh, yeah. But if we could write down all the wins and ignore a lot of those losses,
1: man, we'd be better off. You're absolutely right about that. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Cause I am uh, my, my wife, my family talk about how you do something good, but then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we move on to the next thing. So, Hey, I'm, I'm one of those myself. So I've actually had to start recently. Instead of writing just three things down in the morning and three things down in the evening, writing 10, 10, number 1 through 3, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And you cannot just think about this stuff or put it in your phone. You have to actually write it because there is power in writing things down. It actually etches it into your mind. And I've already said this you are what you expose your mind to. Mm-hmm. And if you expose your mind to writing positive things down, guess what? It's going to start thinking more positive, which is absolutely a good battle tool to have considering the danger that you see on the job as a police officer.
0: So what would you like to, if you had an academy class sitting in front of you, what would you talk to them about on mental health? Maybe a warning or something that they could utilize day one.
1: I would show a picture of a civilian brain, someone who's not in law enforcement. And then I would show the picture of a brain of a person who's about to get into law enforcement. They're exactly the same. It's not like someone's just, Oh, I'm I'm called to be in law enforcement, therefore I'm tough and I'm going to be just fine. I can just advance in the career and not worry about myself at all. Not true at all. Mm. In fact, in my book, Mental Health Fight of the Heroes in Blue, I totally break down this warrior association. Thing. I totally break it down. I flat out in the book, tick off officers by saying, You are not tough. You are a person. I mean, now look, I had to learn this the hard way too, but that's what I would, that's what I would get to across to them mm. first. And then I would say, All right, and this is how. This is why I can tell you that you have to be careful because when your brain sees this stuff, it's wired to protect you. It's going to play the movie over and over and over in your in, in your mind because it doesn't want it to happen to you again and it's preparing you for the next time. And when it plays it over and over and over again, your mind doesn't actually know if you're still in the situation or, or not. It's going to generate the same emotions. I mean, when you think about being in your happy place, you get happy. When you think about being in a fight for your life, you get tense. It's because it's reliving it and the same exact chemical and physiological occurrences in the body are going to happen. So I would explain that. And then I would say, but there are good ways to decompress. There are good ways to cope with it. You don't have to reach for the alcohol. You don't have to go out and do crazy things to keep that adrenaline rushing. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that kind of stuff. Uh, So, I mean, man, I could go on and on, but I would make it very clear, human brain, it's going to be the same for everyone. Just because you're got that uniform on does not make you bulletproof.
0: And maintain your friends outside of law enforcement.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you said that. Outside of law enforcement, friendships are very important.
0: Yeah, because I, I know, you know, what's interesting, you you bring up the tough thing. And I, and I believe that they in the academy, in the police academy, pretty much they instill in you how tough you are because they have mm-hmm. to, they want to, they want to put out these warrior mentalities. And I remember I was that guy too. I thought I was tough, man. I'm really tough with my team. When my eight guys are coming and they're packed in with me, I'm really tough. We did a, a warrant on a house and ended up finding these two brothers. They were ultimate fighters and one gave up. No problem. The other one wanted to fight all eight of us. Oh gosh. And, and, and no lies after 11 minutes, it was an 11 minute fight with eight of us. And he was on the ground. It was an all, everything we could do. He was, of course, he was high on drugs and all that. But I walked out of there thinking, bro, you need to have a mind shift. If I was one-on-one with that guy, he would have killed me. Because there was eight of us and we were using every single use of force possible other than, you know, I mean, hard hands, of course, no weapons, but we were flashlights hitting him grabbing his testicle. I mean, no lies. That's what we were doing. And I walked out and I was like, you could have died tonight if that was just you. And so it it is good to have these experiences and to understand that you are not, you're not a superhero. Right. And I wish that would teach that in the academy a little bit more. And
1: I know that they have to teach that warrior mentality, but it is a little bit scary. It is. And that kind of reminds me of how, in a way that warrior socialization you're taught not to be scared or or fearful or nervous nervousness is okay it means you care it means you're wanting to do the right thing when you get there absolute fear that gets you to shut down yeah you're going to have to push through that and the way you push through that is self-confidence and attending more and more training and rehearsing stuff over and over in your mind so that when you get there and something happens your mind's already been exposed to it so i'm all about that but being nervous it's not like if you're nervous about something, you go into a hot call where there's someone, you know, brandishing a knife or a weapon or or there's a fight in progress, 25, 35 people in a parking lot or more, and, and you feel the heart rate going up. It's not because you're scared, it's because you're nervous because you want to do well. I think they need to teach that as well. Like you're going to have these natural physical reactions. So yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that kind of needs to be taught just to, it just it needs to be reframed so that people won't be so Confused by when they do have a natural reaction, such as nervousness or anger afterwards, depression afterwards, they won't be so confused about that.
0: Yeah, and how to how to dissect it? Those times when you sit in your car and you just you just start crying, right? Because yes. you just saw a horrible scene, and you're like, okay, hold on, I, I got to get myself right because there's seven calls waiting for, for me to take.
1: Yeah. Especially when there's kids involved. That was, that's always tough to, to see when, when young kids are even in, even in, even when you go in a house and you see a kid who's living in that house and it's horrible conditions, it just, it's heartbreaking. And yet you have to pick yourself up and go to the next call.
0: Yeah. All right, man. I have Scott Medlin, uh, publisher, artist, author, mental health first of the the heroes in blue, right? Yeah. The fight. Okay. And 101 health tips for officers, for police officers. Uh, I want to push people there. You also started
1: LEO Motivation LLC. Yes, I'm actually going to get certified tonight as a speaker through Eric Thomason Associates. He's one of the number one speakers in the world. I've been going through a 12-week course. I look forward to just hitting the road. Well, wait, we've got COVID. I look forward to hitting the Zoom calls, but I do look forward to speaking at academies, police departments, motivating the heck out of these officers and building them up, teaching them to be just as aware of themselves as they are trained to be aware of their situation whenever they do go to a call. So there's going to be great times ahead. We're going to do great things. Uh, So yeah, you can find me on leomotivation.com. You can get resources there as well as the books and uh, get in touch with me. I'd be glad to come and, uh, come and speak.
0: Yeah. If you have uh, somebody in your family that's a law enforcement first responder of any type, this would be uh, these are great books, man. I do appreciate your time. I appreciate your, your vibe and, and your love for these men and women who out there are struggling. So I'm going to give you a chance to a way to go out of the show, man. How would you do it? What would you tell us?
1: The job is a calling. I get that. And I want you to be passionate about it, but it is never worth your mental health. It is never worth your family. It is never worth you. Plus, if you become upset, depressed, what good are you for the community you swore to protect? Work on yourself day in and day out. That's the only way you're going to be the best cop you can possibly be because I know you want to be that great cop out there. And please remember, it's not who you are. It is a job when it comes down to it. When There will be a day when you're not a police officer and your family wants to see you after after your career. uh, Be there for them. That's kind of love what I would it. end
0: with. Thank you, man. I appreciate your time on here. Thank you for chasing the vase and being the guy that you are. I would love for uh, the listeners to go check you out as well and uh, order those books. I know I am. So well, thank, thank you, you Brock, sir. God. means a lot. Thank you, Brock. You've been listening to Chase the Vase Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcast to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more information, please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook or visit our website, chasethevase.com. Until next time, keep chasing the vase.